Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last episode of Season 6, the last episode of 2020. This is episode 424. And it, uh, I don't know if it has a title. I just invited Jenny to come on and chit-chat with me, and we just talked for a while. It was nice. 2020 actually began with an interview with Jenny, and I thought it would be nice if we ended with one as well. You know, if you want to know how prolific 2020 has been for the podcast, that episode with Jenny that went up on January 2nd, 2020, that was episode 293. And this is episode 424. It's pretty crazy, huh? This year is going to end with almost a million and a half downloads. That's just in 2020. So the podcast is taking off and it's all because of you and how much you share and how much you listen. And I appreciate that. Give me just one second to shout out the sponsors. Although this episode is not sponsored, I fulfilled all of my sponsorships for 2020, but I still want to thank Dexcom, Omnipod, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, Gvoke Hypopen, and touched by type one. And I don't want to forget to mention the T1D exchange. Support from the sponsors is why the podcast is able to exist. It's why it's free. It's why it's plentiful. And I think it's why it's good. Sometimes I get emails from people and they're like, can you please tell the host? And I laugh because I am the, uh, what do they call me? The, I do it all. This podcast is just me. Editing, scheduling, Recording, technical stuff, making backups of the show. It's all a one-man show. And it's supported by the ads and the advertisers. So thank you very much to all of the great advertisers of the Juicebox podcast. And a special thanks to all of you who have clicked on the links and checked them out. Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox. Learn more about that Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Don't forget, if you're getting your insurance through the United States Veterans Administration, the VA. Go check it out. You might be really happy with the coverage you find. The Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter is my favorite blood glucose meter ever. It's the best one Arden's ever used. It's the most accurate. It's the easiest to use. And you can find out more about it at contournext.com forward slash juice box. And of course, my daughter's been using an Omnipod tubeless insulin pump since she was four. She is in the other room right now. 16 years old and still using Omnipod because it is absolutely terrific. Omnipod will send you a free, no obligation demo. And all you have to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to request it. Touched by Type 1 is a fantastic organization doing great things for people living with type 1 diabetes. They're a sponsor of the show and you can find out more about them at touchedbytype1.org. And of course, Gvoke Hypopen. It's the glucagon my daughter carries, and you can learn more about it at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. And if you'd like to take just a few minutes to add meaningful data to great work that's being done for people with type 1 diabetes, 
go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. You can help support type 1 diabetes research. And it's super easy to do right there from your home. There's nothing else. You don't have to go to a doctor. You can actually be part of something. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. Here's my conversation with Jenny. I thought it might be nice if we just had a relaxed conversation. Not about anything Ooh. specific. Not about anything fun? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, no. We don't have to do any like hardcore diabetes stuff today. So like I said, I'm recording. So like I said to you when we spoke about recording today, the very first episode of the season, of season six, was with you. And I and we basically had like a, like almost interviewed you a little bit, right? And yeah. And this is going to be the last episode of 2021, Aww. so I thought it would be nice to do the same thing. See? Yay. Yeah, right. I agree. Well, it is. Has to, we just have to chill out and relax and, and do something good. Plus, you don't get to hear about, you know, the people who are asking about you all the time, you know? So, no. I, no. Yeah. So <laughs> I get the notes, and it's always like, thank you. And at the end, it's like, don't thank Jenny, too. You know, or on the on the Facebook page where Aww. where people, you know, I, I saw someone yesterday say, um, you know, I went to Integrated Diabetes to um, work with Jenny. Um, she wasn't available, so they put me somewhere else. And I said, I think I answered back, and I said that might be my fault that Jenny doesn't have any room on her calendar. <laughs> so <laughs> I told I told somebody recently how uh, when you're telling me about emails you get from the podcast, people are like, oh, you're people. And I was like, yeah, they're just the people listening to the podcast. There's much your people as they are my people. Right. I don't know. I just wondered, uh, 2021, it needed to be wrapped up somehow. So how was your year? My year was, I mean, all around, it was a fine year. I mean, it really was. I, you know, nothing major, thankfully, in our family, we didn't have any you know, disruptions in any weirdness. Um, but it is what it is. And we made it through. And hopefully next year is better, better yeah, yeah, in right. other ways. Like I, I really, I think this, this year, like everybody sort of missed travel and that kind of stuff, you know, the conferences and things that I was supposed to speak at. And a couple of them, usually I bring my husband and my guys along with me and they kind of go and explore the city while I'm stuck inside a freezing cold conference center. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we didn't do that this year, but, um, you know, hopefully next year that'll be back on the agenda maybe. And so I missed know, my speech. Yeah. I missed the stuff I was supposed to speak at. I, I'm, I wish I could have, it would have right. been nice. My family never offers to come with me. That's one. They're just like goodbye. I think they're trying to get away from me, and right. they're like, oh, "We have don't. Even, we don't even have to run away. He's gonna leave. This is perfect." And, you know. But I do. I did miss like that conversation, uh, meeting people, um, right? Who found the podcast and came out to say hello, or watching the faces of people in the audience as you say something, and it clicks in their head, and you can see them think like, "Oh, right. Why did I never think of that?" You know. At this right. at this moment, I'm not 100% sure if you stood me up in front of people, if I'd remember any of the things that I used to say. I, I might have to go back and 
study up a little Revisit. bit about it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not certain. <laughs> In fact, I think the travel, I don't know if it was the last travel you had too, but was literally like March 1st. Oh no, when I think I came home from Atlanta was when we were at the JDRF thing in Atlanta together and that was the last literal travel that yeah. I did. Well, the first thing you and I ever did together was the last thing I've ever done. So, right. yeah. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> it was really strange. Um I I it just I feel like I I felt like back then there was this talk of like people are getting this thing and they're calling it um, coronavirus and it seems like it's getting serious like that was the vibe around it but I'm right. just going to go to Georgia because it's probably nothing and you know right. yeah then by the time I got home it was just like get in your homes alarms right. going off and close the doors you know, don't go anywhere running through the street with pitchforks and you know lanterns and I was like oh wait a minute I I just made it back Right. Well, I can remember being at the Atlanta airport, you know, flying home actually is more like where I remember seeing a lot of people already like wearing masks Mm -hmm. in the airport. And, you know, my silly brain was just like, "Eh, we know something is going on. Right. And I wasn't like being, I mean, I always wash my hands. I'm always very cognizant of what I touch when I'm in a very public place like that, or even on airplanes, you right, know, yeah. kind of like wiping things down. But like the people with the masks on in the airport, I was sort of like, huh, maybe I should be a little more careful. Maybe not. And then of course, like two weeks later, everything got closed. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Suddenly it's you're running weird. around going, I need a mask. Where's it? Right. At? Right. <laughs> No. And that was a great event. They did a really nice job it with was. that one. Kim ran that, I think. Yeah, that... it was a really, they did a wonderful, wonderful job. In fact, um, I met several people actually who came there specifically for your presentation, which was oh, awesome, um, had literally driven from like other states um, to be able to come and then called to um, do some work with me. Nice. So it was kind of nice because I'd actually gotten to meet them in person mm-hmm. at at that conference. And now I've gotten to know them and they're lovely people. And it's, it's so nice. I just interviewed the husband of one of the p- adults living with type one diabetes that, that we met there. And I think it just went up a little while ago. Awesome. Um, yeah. It just, it was a great, it was really interesting too. I thought, so let me say something nice about you. So aside of your knowledge of diabetes and how you think about it, which I think jives very closely with how I think about it, um, Mm -hmm. you're really good at being on the podcast. You probably don't even realize that, but you're very comfortable to talk to. You wait and jump in at the right times. I don't think we ever talk over each other while we're talking. Nothing's planned, which makes it even more kind of crazy that it works. But when we got to Georgia we did like, I think you did a room while I was doing a room and right. then you came into my room and then we did one together. Yep. Didn't practice it. I didn't tell you what we were going to talk about. I just grabbed the microphone. I started talking and when it felt comfortable, I threw it to you. And when it felt comfortable, you threw it back to me. And I really thought it worked amazingly well. You were like the best partner for talking Aww. about diabetes with. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I think actually we had literally only talked in person, like five minutes prior to me coming in on kind of the second half of your whole presentation and talk and everything. Yep. Um, so yeah, you had come in before I was doing sort of a breakout in another room mm-hmm. about, I can't remember what the topic was. Um, but yeah, it was kind of fun because yeah. then I just got to chat with you on 
stage with everybody. We basically cool. just met there and then it gets crazy again and you can't find each other. Like I was like, well, I'll have lunch with Jenny. And then when it happened, I couldn't find you. Yeah. You know, and that was, I think we said goodbye maybe. And then we were back recording again a couple of weeks later. Uh, but no, it just, you, you have no idea because there are people I have on um, throughout the years and I think oh, this person's very knowledgeable about this and there's more to say about it, but it was just too hard to talk to them. Not that they did anything wrong. It just, there was, there's no, there was no comfortable back and forth. It didn't work right. And I end up not doing it again with them. So I just think I'm lucky and everyone listening is lucky because you're just very good at this. And have you ever done anything like this prior to being on this podcast? No, not She's, ever. Yeah. I mean, my other, um, are much more professional, like, prepare it ahead of time, put the PowerPoint kind of thing yeah. together. You know, I think the the closest to this would be I've done some webinars for um, some type one adult groups, kind of more on like the West Coast mm-hmm. that I've done sort of in an evening kind of program for them. But again, it's more of a pick a topic, put some information together, and then have some some discussion with the people who were joining in to learn. Right. But it's never been this I know I never think of like I always think that this is like a little bit of a break from my work day whenever I get to like talk and do this with you. It's very enjoyable. I totally I love it. I completely so thank agree. You. No, no, I I 100% agree. I always leave I always come in the room smiling and leave the room smiling and then I say your name a couple of times during the day and my wife's like did you have a good time with Jenny today? I was like we did and then I start talking <laughs> about it and I realize she's making fun of me and then I stop. So um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It, it just is a really it's a stroke of luck because, I mean, honestly, the podcast does really well, but it does better because of you. Like, there's just no doubt about it. Like, I, I could get on the microphone and talk through those ideas, but it just wouldn't have the same feeling. And I think it wouldn't be as engaging. Um, I think it might taste like medicine a little bit when people are listening. There's something about our conversation that makes it, you know, easy for people to pick up. And because of that, and I'm sure you do too, but I'm up to about 10 to a dozen notes a day about people's lives getting better. Um, And that's just a really big deal. I mean, I used to write about this stuff on my blog and I would get, Mm -hmm. I'd get a letter like once a month, you know, a couple times a month. Hey, this is really helping me. Uh, But the podcast just, it's at a different frequency. And I really think it's got a lot to do with the fact that I found you. So and I'm glad that you think of it as a break. That's really nice. Like you're talking about diabetes all day. <laughs> I do. I, I think of it. It's it's kind of like whenever I see it on my calendar for the week, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get to talk to Scott this oh, week. Like, well, that is really it's, it's, it's always fun to have a conversation, even as in-depth in some of the topics as we get. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the nice thing is that there's a, I don't know, there's a, there's a comfort level from both sides, from your side and my side in terms of the discussion point. And again, like I usually don't know what you're going to bring up for the day, which is even I think nicer to keep it more conversational. Um, But it's, we have a very easy like back and flow of information. Mm -hmm. And I, the big thing is I never really feel like I'm like educating you, which I guess is the reason that, I like the conversations because even though you ask some questions for me to elaborate on, right? and I know that it's helping so many other people when they're listening, 
it's also nice to have your sort of background and whatnot along with it. Well, let's so. see. That's Fun. are you, I feel like you just referred to me like as almost a peer, and that's way too kind. But I very <laughs> much appreciate it. I have to say that uh, some of the nicest things around this diabetes stuff that's been said to me over the years is by you. Um, when you oh. once told me if. You once said if you had a degree, you could do this as like you could do my job. I I was really touched by that, um, and uh, very similarly when you said that my tug of war description for pre bolusing was like the best way you had ever heard it explained. It uh, is. Oh, no, no, that really makes me that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> even now that you just said it again, Aww. but it um, but that meant a lot to me because I don't know. I just. I don't know why it's surprising to me other than to say that if you could get into a time machine and go back 30 years and find 19-year-old Scott and you could really get to know him, and then I pulled you aside and said, that kid one day will be the person that people listen to about this, 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 you'd go, no, no, that can't be right. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just met the guy and I don't th- I think you've got the wrong person. There's no way – it just it, – it, to this day – shocks me that I'm the person who runs this podcast. Like really? it doesn't yeah, I don't it's weird that it's me. And I don't I I I recognize that what I'm what I'm good at and it, like I'm not shocked on that level. Like I'm it's not false modesty. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like oh, I don't really know that stuff. You shouldn't say that. It's not that. I don't feel like an imposter. It's just if you could have seen the trajectory of my life, it just it didn't it, it it wasn't i don't know how it ended up being me other than arden got diabetes you know so yeah it's very i nice. think i think life experiences shift people often and i whether people choose to keep moving along with that shift or not mm-hmm. sort of is the difference i think you know i mean when i when i was diagnosed with diabetes i wanted to be a veterinarian i had wanted to be a veterinarian since I was like a very small child, grandpa had a farm. I loved like all the animals. I always asked big questions. We had cats when I was growing up. I always wanted to go to the veterinary office whenever we did ask lots of questions. And then when I was diagnosed, you know, I had really good educators, thankfully. And in high school, then just sort of like shifted. I realized I was really good at science and I really also started, my mom is an amazing cook. Mm -hmm. She just, she's awesome. And I kind of realized that because food was such a big part of diabetes management, that maybe I should kind of switch gears and sort of go the route of, um, I, I, I didn't want to be a nurse. I, I don't do some of nursing things very well. You can bleed all over me, but like the whole like mucus angle, blah, <laughs> I just can't do that thing. So I was like, Oh, I like, I like nutrition anyway. So let's be a dietitian. And then I knew that I didn't want to do that. Like, I don't want to teach people about low cholesterol diets. That's just not for me. Right. Um, but diabetes was the thing. So again, I, I kind of think, you know, I don't know who knows, maybe if something else had happened in your life with kids, maybe you would have had a very different angle, but this was the course that you were supposed to have. And you've done an amazing thing for so many people starting this. You have. I just feel like, thank you. I just feel like I saw its value. And so I leaned into it. But 
I mean, there's a part of me, I won't lie to you. There was a part of me at one point that thought, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to write about and talk about diabetes in my free time. Like, I don't even have diabetes. Have you been watching my blood sugars online? I definitely no, don't. No, I haven't, oh. actually. I, I should. I definitely, you told me about it. I definitely don't have diabetes. So, um, <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I isn't it funny, the irony of what I'm doing? I haven't even taken the time to, like, celebrate that I don't have it. There's a couple times I'm like, oh, this isn't not very exciting for the people watching. <laughs> Instead of just <laughs> thinking, this is great. I can walk past a candy dish, pull, like, three candies out that total, like, 30 carbs. It's just pure sugar. And eat them, and my blood sugar doesn't move. And I, I even had—I haven't even had time to be like, "Yay, that's exciting!" But to what I was saying, there was a moment where I was like, "This is what I'm going to do." Because my trajectory was, I wanted to be a screenwriter. Like I wanted to write movies. That's how wow. I—that's what I thought about when I was growing up. And then I—I I was in a poor family. I didn't get to go to college. I had to go right to work, and I just had terrible jobs. Um, I mean, like I worked in sheet metal shops and paint rooms and just terrible things. And the entire time I was there, I would just feel like I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't my, I didn't, I didn't, I love the guys I worked with and that whole part of it was terrific. But I just kept thinking like, I have these things in my head. I should like, I, and but I'd get home. I'd be so tired. It wouldn't matter. And I was still broke and just kept going over and over again like that. And one day I just thought, I've got to get out of this. Like I can't, you know, I can't keep doing this forever. And a friend of mine was collecting debts and she's like, you can talk, you could, you could do this job easily. So then the next thing I knew, I went from like a sheet metal shop to sitting in a cubicle with a screen in front of me and somebody's information would pop up. You'd have 10 seconds to familiarize yourself with this data on the screen. And trust me, it didn't look like computers look now. It was, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> wasn't easy. And then you'd hear a voice and they'd be like, hello. And they were there. Hi, Jenny. My name's Scott. I'm calling from, I forget what it was, something bank. Um, you're 28 days late on your on your payment. You're in jeopardy of going to 60 days late. We really need you to make a payment right now. I was dunning people. And... Wow, I didn't know that. I was so good at it, I quit the job because it made me feel bad how good I was at it. Like it was a job you didn't want to be good at. Right. You know, and right. and so I used that experience to move to a credit union doing the same thing. And then the minute I could get out of it, I became their graphic designer, which I had no background in whatsoever. It was, wow. a, li- it was a little tiny credit union and the job came up And I went to the human resources person. I said, I can do that. Like, I've seen the things that you guys produce here. I can make them all. Um, And they just, what what would it hurt them? Like, I wasn't making very much money. So they took a flyer and I did well at it and did it for a number of years until Kelly got pregnant with Cole. And then I quit my job and I'd been a stay-at-home dad for, I quit my job at the end of 1999. Wow. Yeah, I haven't had a real job since then. And, um, but I never, I would write things. I would try to write things. I never had enough time. Like I was always exhausted. And then Arden got diagnosed and I was, I didn't know what to do. So I wrote a blog about diabetes and, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want her to struggle at some point. And I really felt like she was going to, and I wasn't understanding it. 
Um, and I don't have the kind of brain, this is going to sound strange, maybe I can't, I couldn't figure it out. Like I couldn't step back and look at it and figure it out. I had to like live through it and then go back and write about it. And then like little lights would get turned on as I was going. That's why some people are, you know, I, I see some people online. They're like, I, I, I'm not getting this quickly enough. They're very upset with themselves. And I'm like, your kids had diabetes for six months. Like at two years, I was still crying in the shower. <laughs> you know, like right. you're, you're only six months in and your kid's A1C seven. And I can see it coming down consistently. Like you're, you know, three months from now, you have this. Right. You know, um, it took me a lot longer to figure it out. And uh, it really wasn't until I wrote something on the blog one day when it really just hit me. I was like, there's a system here. I didn't even realize it at first. And and I didn't even know what it was. I just knew it was there. So I, I picked through everything that I wrote. And I was like, that and that plus that and that equals a good outcome. And, you know, and then I picked those pieces and I, I refined them down. It's kind of like data analysis, really, but you just did it in a different way. Yeah, trust me, because I can't analyze data. And so <laughs> and so I, I kept distilling them down, but I I understood them already. I didn't need... I was distilling them down so I could write about them. Right. Because I, I have a real belief about communication, and I don't think that people like to be talked at, and I don't think people like things that sound like medicine, especially when they're already, you know, upset. And so I just kept going, and I just kept telling myself, like, if you can make these ideas T-shirt slogans, then people will yeah. be able to remember them. Mm-hmm. And that that was it. And um and then I guess it's just lucky that I wrote that book because I got to write a book called Life is Short, Laundry is Eternal. And it was about mm-hmm. being a stay-at-home dad. That got me, I can remember the exact day that I decided to make a website for myself, like scottbenner.com, which is don't go look at it. It's I haven't looked at it in like 10 years. <laughs> but But because I made that around the book, Katie Kirk's producer found me looking for fathers around Father's Day. Wow. Right? And so the next thing I knew, I was on a soundstage in in New York uh, doing this interview with Katie Couric. And when it was over, she grabbed me and she was like, you're so good at this. And I was like, what is it I'm good at? Like, because I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking about. She's like, you're just so entertaining and you, you speak so freely. This was wonderful. I was like, thank you. And uh, then I left. And like two weeks later, a, a different producer called me and she said, I'm Katie Kirk's producer. And I was like, no, you're not. I already spoke to Katie Kirk's producer and she's a different person. She goes, no, that's her web producer. I'm her television producer. And I was like, okay. And she goes, and we have a slot uh, in a couple of days. We're having some single dads or some um, stay at home dads come on and we'd like you to come. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. You know? So the next thing I that's know, awesome. it was so cool, but I got there and she looked at me and smiled like she knew me, like recognized me, which was nice. And I sat down and Jenny, if if one of these things is not like the other ever existed, it was me, right? Like I I was like much older than these other guys. These guys were all like very kind of like metrosexual guys from like New York and stuff like that, right? Who are just like, you know, taking care of their kids and and I'm just answering the questions that come along. And then this one guy starts talking about 
this whole experience is making my wife and I closer. And he's just, it was so pie in the sky and like happy. And I, I just, it wasn't my turn to talk, but I leaned down and I looked down the line and I was like, Hey, I interrupted him. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> how long have you been married? And he goes, Oh, we've been married like a year. And I laughed. And then I could see on the monitor, the camera swung over to me and I was like, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. You're not even married yet. Like I said, right. you come back 15 years from now and tell me that story. And then I'll tell you, you're doing a great right. job. And uh, then I said something How else. How old were your kids at this point? It was eight years ago. So Cole was like. Oh, so it was a long, it was, yeah. they were old enough, like yeah. well old enough that you had been married and had life with kids yeah. and I'd already the been, whole story. I had already been yelled at a couple of thousand times. I knew what, like, what it was like to be married. Yeah. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh and I don't remember what I said next, but whatever I said next made 500 people who were in the studio audience laugh at the same time. And I have to tell you that that is a feeling that is difficult to duplicate because now you feel like you feel like a puppet master. You're like, I wonder if I can make them do this. And what if I could try and, and right. you know what I mean? And then, um, and then Katie pulled me aside again afterwards and said, wow, that was terrific. She's like, you were this whole thing. And I, I said, thank you. And she's like, you, this was going nowhere and you absolutely saved it. And, I, and it was just such a nice moment. Um, and then that's she, awesome. and that made me think about making a podcast. So yeah. that's it. it. And I never would have leapt from the diabetes blog to a diabetes podcast. It didn't occur to me to do that. So sure, it was her. So if you're all happy with your A1Cs, uh, thank Katie Kirk. <laughs> Well, I, th you know, the, the big thing too, is like, I, and maybe this is just sort of like reading into, but like the feeling you got when the people laughed and you knew it was an honest laugh. Like it wasn't a generated, like yeah. audience, please laugh kind of sign up above. Like they thought it was hilarious. I made right? them laugh, yeah. And you kind of took that, even if it was on like a subconscious level and said, you know, if I can make people laugh, why can't I take what I know? And like, give that to more people to just be able to feel like they can do better too. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the only one doing a good job at this. And I mean, that's kind of myself too. Every time somebody sends me a message that, you know, I got my A1C down and now my doctor has given me a go ahead to get pregnant or, you know, my child's endo team is astounded at what we're doing together. And they're amazed at his A1C being here. And they're usually happy if it's just at seven and a half, mm. you know, I, I mean, the, the notes and things, that's my like audience, happy laughing yeah. to me. Like no, I, I just, understand. that's why I like doing what I, I do. Yeah. So <laughs> I appreciate that. And I feel the exact same way. Um, when the first person told me that their doctor told me to listen to the podcast, I was like, ooh, I'm do I'm on to something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that same kind of um interaction where the audience laughed is I try to I don't know how to say I don't this is I don't this is funny. I'm not trying to insult anybody because I'm definitely not I don't have those feelings. But I know how your blood sugar can be stable and steady, right? And it's mm -hmm. I see it as my job to get it across to people any way I can. And I know that the the picture you paint for one person that makes them go, oh, okay, this is it, isn't the one that works for someone else, right? Right. And so 
while I think most people make podcasts thinking, well, I am tangentially related to this subject and I'll have conversations with people about it. And it'll be interesting. And those people are always wrong or not always wrong, but podcasts are interesting. There are a lot of podcasts. I believe that at the moment there are 1.5 million of them. Um, of those 1.5 million, I forget what it is. Maybe only a half a million put up an episode a month of that. Okay. Only 50% of them get like 140 downloads per episode. So the truth okay. is it's easy to have a podcast. Like it used to be easy to have a blog. The The large majority of them are either aren't being produced regularly or no one's really listening to them to begin with. Sure. Like for perspective, while you and I are recording this, I should have a couple of hundred new downloads by the time I, I put this down again. This podcast gets a lot of downloads. So there's this very finite amount of podcasts that anybody's actually listening to. And I realize that not everybody hears the tug of war st story and then goes, oh, pre-bolusing. I got it. And you also have to realize that not everybody's hearing every episode. So right. my job's not just to do it once. It's to do it over and over and over again in a way that hopefully doesn't take the people who found the show five years ago and in, and bore them. Like, I want them to stay mm -hmm. for the community aspect. And because, in truth, if they stay, then the podcast gets more downloads. If the podcast gets more downloads, then it's easier to sell ads and if it's easier to sell ads, then I get to keep making the podcast, right? Like this thing kind of like all ties itself together. Um, but I am working the strings of the puppets a little bit. Like I do say things to trick the people listening to, into understanding diabetes. It's, it doesn't, it's not, that's not the intention, but it is but what's it's a happening. positive trick. Yes. It's a very positive. It, it's I, a, it's a it's a positive reasoning trick. There's not like anything, you know, malicious There's about nothing it devious at all. about it, right. <laughs> no, what I've basically done is I've taken my superpower and I've turned it to good. Like, really. I don't know if you've ever seen The Boys yeah. on Amazon. Some of these guys get superpowers and then they just do terrible things with it. Not me. I've decided to do something good with it. So um, yeah. it makes me think of the last day of ninth grade. I have very few memories of school. But I'm going down the hallway and my guidance counselor comes out of his office and grabs me. And it's such an impactful moment that I, I, I remember his name. And I remember no one's name. And I'm sure he's got to be long past. But uh, his name was Mr. Wiley. And he pulled me into a, like a little nook, which today I think would be assault. And, um, <laughs> and he, he goes, uh, what are you going to do in high school? And I was like, what? He goes, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I, 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 in my brain, I'm like, well. Now we're talking about this? I'm like, we're out of here in three hours. I'm never coming back to this building. I'm like, I said, I, I don't really know. And he said, uh, you should be an attorney. That's what I think. And I said, why? And he goes, you're just very good at talking to people. You should be an attorney. And I remember feeling very filled with, like, I came from a divorced family. Nobody ever told me nice things about myself, you know? There was no time right. for that. And I felt good that he thought I could be an attorney. And then I said, oh, I, I couldn't do that. And he said, why? I said, well, then I'd be an attorney. And he laughed because I think he thought I was making, like casting aspersions at the, the law profession. But what I really meant was then I'd be an attorney every day for the rest of my life. Like, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do anything every day for the rest of my life. I feel like there's a lot of things I could do. And uh, he yeah. laughed. I laughed. We were like, hey. And then I, you know, I walked out. Um, I remember it because it was a positive impact because somebody, an adult said something to me as a child that was positive, 
But then I did exactly the opposite of his. Like, I, I didn't lean into my education at all. Like, I looked at high school as something I had to get through. Right. Which was a huge mistake. But I just negotiated my way through that. Just every, I got to high school. They put us in this uh, auditorium and said there was a technical school that was a few miles away where you could learn to weld or, you know, do all this stuff. And there was a field trip you could go look around. And I was like, that sounds like for losers. That's how it, like, right? And then they said, um, and the way the schedule runs is two weeks a month you go to tech school full-time and two weeks a month you go to high school full-time. And I thought, so I only have to go to high school for a year and a half if I go to tech school? Put me on that bus. So I went over, went through every room, you know, small engine repair, making the food for the cafeteria. There was hairdressing school. And I was like, I don't want to do any of this, right? <laughs> that might have come in handy this past several months. You should see my right? hair right now, by the way, if I could cut my own hair. <laughs> so I made the decision to go to baking school because that had the most pretty girls in <laughs> it. Of course, that's why you went. I was yes. like, hey, listen, if I, I have to come to avoid a year and a half of high school, I'm going to come. I'm doing this. My parents were like, whatever. Like, they just, nobody cared. And um, and I just picked the room with the most pretty girls. And now I can bake like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> well, I'm glad you learned something out of it besides just looking at pretty girls. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, where you can make a cinnamon bun six at a time, I can make uh 600 of them at a time. So I'm, uh, that's the kind of baking I learned to do. But I really, I got out of that. I got a job in a bakery. You had to start at 1.30 in the morning. I did it for a week and I quit. I was like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so happy during my, my um, dietetic internship, um, the food service aspect of it. I mean, I knew that I was never going into food service. Mm -hmm. I'd never wanted to do that. But we had to do that type of a rotation. And I too had to be in the bakery of the hospital system food service area. I think it was like two 30 in the morning. And I was like, Oh, I couldn't I'm do so it. I'm so glad this four weeks is done. Bye-bye. I will yeah. not be. <laughs> so. I texted my brother last night around six o'clock to wish him a happy birthday. And he was just waking up and getting ready to go to work. Cause he works a shift and like shift work. That's and I'm like, oh, yep. God, how does he do that, you know? Um, but, yeah, I just – there was nothing. And I just jumped my, – my uncle gave me a job. I did that for a while. I, you know, I did everything else that I told you about. I, there's a bunch of others. I worked in a 7-Eleven for, like, a year. Like, that was it. Like, I just – I wanted – I didn't know what I wanted to do. I cut lawns for people. And um, it's Kelly, really, who deserves a lot of credit for seeing who I was through – what my life made me look like I was. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I didn't like, if you looked at what I did and how I did it, I appeared one way, but she actually listened to me and, you know, kind of heard my thoughts. And I, I, I just got randomly lucky. I really, Aww. I really belong like in a trailer somewhere. Um, no, like, no, I do really, no. you know, please you really don't left no. to my own devices. I'm somewhere with a, with like a bog, <laughs> Like Shrek, basically, is what I'm saying. You know, um, I think that's about all I would have accomplished on my own. Kelly was the one who, who I think saw like my potential, and not that she was trying to coax it out of me, but she didn't judge me for the other stuff. You sure. know, like that I was working in a Seven Eleven, which there's nothing wrong with. It was a perfectly fine job, and and I I did it. I worked hard at it, but um, 
you know, it's not a career, obviously. And uh, right. it just was a way to pass time and make some money to pay bills. Then one day I just realized, I'm like, all you're doing is living to pay this bill, to live to pay the bill. Like this, you have to do something. Um, but a lot of just lucky, like I said, like how did I talk a human resources person into letting the credit card collector do the, and so if any, if all of this tells you one thing, it's that my, it's talking is what I'm really good at. So I talked by well, way talking, into things and, and out of I think you've you've sort of finessed your talking though to a point of really being able to teach. And that's there's a difference yeah. because I mean there are a lot of professionals who have gone to college and spent thousands of dollars to do what they do mm-hmm. and still do not talk well. <laughs> but- they just and that's I I feel bad saying it, but it's the truth. I mean, and thus is Thus is, I think, a lot of the reason, and I certainly wouldn't down any of the diabetes professionals that are out there, but when you're in a, when you're managing a condition like diabetes, talking sometimes needs to go beyond like the basic hit points on a list to address and you have to get to a very personal level of talk in order to meet the need and yeah. everyone's needs are everyone's needs are different right so no, well yeah that's that's basically what answered the question to me when people like when i talk to somebody privately that doesn't have diabetes like they're like wait so someone listens to your podcast to learn about diabetes instead of talking to their doctor and i was like yeah i was like the doctors are generally speaking, not great at, at, at explaining it to them. And, you know, it's hard for like a lay person who doesn't have type one to even understand how that would be, because most people's experience with doctors is one of the problems with going to a doctor is that you're supposed you people think you go in there and you sit quietly and they tell you something and then you leave with the answer. Right. And it just doesn't work that way, especially with type one, but still even talking like if I'm not lying to you if I tell you that 30 seconds before you popped up, I was thinking maybe we should talk about like some like do some defining diabetes stuff. And then when I saw you, I was like, no, let's just talk up like do like an end of year wrap up. So nothing that I've said while we were talking have I ever considered before I said it. And I speak pretty quickly so that I make sense while I'm talking. That's where I think like I think everyone's good at something, but. I'm I'm yeah. proud of myself. Like I, I I can't believe I'm this good at speaking in a coherent way that leads to something. I'm not just filling time. Um, yeah, you should be proud of what you've put out there. I mean, it's 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 been beneficial enough, in, especially in terms of what you've seen in the listeners that you have and the growth and who it's reaching. That more and more and more people keep like, hey, you should listen to the juice box. Hey, you should listen to the juice box. And that outreach is beyond. I mean, I don't know how many other places I know online to that I could send people to listen to or do a little bit more reading or whatnot. And, but many of them, I don't, I mean, there are lots of them. Yeah. And I don't direct people to very many other sites. I just don't because when when you want somebody to really learn and to continue to learn, especially in the past five years with all the changes that have 
come with diabetes management. You have to continue to evolve and move along with that in your discussion. And you also have to be willing to say, hey, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember we talked about such and such. And with today's technology, we don't need to do that anymore, or we don't need to do it as much, or it's changed now. So you need to continue to sort of move people into learning that things aren't just going to stay where they are. Well, those, so I think where most people get stuck, and this is where the listeners deserve a lot of the credit is they, those people get so stuck trying to drive traffic that they take what's what you, they hear people talking about online and they turn it into content. And I don't think of it that way. I don't look to the people who need the answers for the ideas about what to say. And I think those other blogs and probably some of the, like, I don't know, I've never listened to another type one podcast, but I can tell you that I can see some metrics online. And as far as type one diabetes podcasts go, there's this one. And then the rest don't come anywhere near this one in terms of listenership. Right. Right. And, and I don't mean them. I think it's terrific. Like I, I really think it's terrific that people do what they do. And if they're helping people, I think that's terrific. But if they, They'd see more growth if they were giving people something that made a listener like get off and think, I have to tell somebody about this. Right. Right. You know, I, I listen to podcasts um, and some of them I enjoy, but I would never tell anyone else to listen to. And there are some that every time I'm with somebody, I'm like, have you heard this conversation on this thing? Like it's, it drives you to want to talk to somebody. I just think that while you, you know, Jenny and I talked maybe a week ago and we set a schedule. So like she's on the schedule throughout 2021. And I told her what I wanted to do in 2021. And then I was like, hey, in 2022, I also think we should start moving in this direction a little bit. And and that's what she's talking about. Like, I know where diabetes is going and I need to understand it so that when it's happening to you listening in real time, I'm already, you know, uh, I, I can I can articulate it in a way that'll help you do it. Um, right. I just see it that way. Like I I've never worried about the clicks. I always think about anything that I've ever produced and put online. If it's good, people will listen to it. If it's great, people will tell people about it. But you can't force people to tell people about things. No. Like with sharing, like please share, please click, please. I'm like, just if it's good, right. it's good. If it's not, stop wasting people's time. And I think the diabetes space where it fails over and over again is that it just does the same kind of banal shit over and over again. Like, Hey, here's a recipe for 4th of July. Right. Great. Thanks. I, I don't, my kids chart jumps up. My graph goes 460, 350, 82. I, right. I don't, your low carb, you know, hot dog bun recipe is not going to save my life here. I have bigger problems. And, and all of those other places, no matter how friendly they try to make them look, are businesses. And they are not going to go out on a limb and tell you how to pre-bolus. They no. just won't. It's the, it, And it's despicable that it's despicable that some doctors won't even do it because they don't want you to get low and come back and say, look what you did to me. Right. They would rather you drop dead 15 years before you're supposed to and have nobody to sue. And, and you know, I gave them I gave them competent care is what they would think when it was over. And not everyone's like that, but if there wasn't a lot of people like that, then this podcast would have no need and nobody would be listening right. to it. So, Well, and I think that's that's kind of 
you can't really sugarcoat things, right? Because yeah. people eventually see that. And you have to give it like it is. This is the information. This is how to do it. If you choose to go forward and use it, great. And if you don't, well, then at least you heard it somewhere, yeah. right? I mean, it's kind of like eons ago. I mean, my nephew, who is now 21, he was diagnosed when he was seven. Mm -hmm. And at that point when he was diagnosed, his doctors kept telling his parents, it's okay if his blood sugar is, you know, 250. He's little and that's okay for right now. We're just worried about him being too low. And whenever my husband and I, we didn't have kids at that point, but whenever we'd go and visit them, I'd be like, it is not okay for his blood sugar to be 250. Right. I mean, that was like eons ago, right? It's like 15, whatever years ago, not quite, but, and it's, so bringing this up now is really important because there are a lot of little kids and teens being diagnosed mm -hmm. and for them to know from the beginning that despite their services being much more conservative and that quote unquote, like, let's make sure that you're safe. And by no means am I saying don't be safe, right. but the, down the road, like you said, 15 years from now, their little blood vessels and things are not going to be safe because you were more comfortable with a blood sugar of 200. Yeah. So the, 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 the evil person that lives inside of me that, you know, I, I got, <laughs> that I got rid of a long time ago, who could have become an attorney and become really rich doing it. Um, that person doesn't get I, I, the worst thing that I can imagine, Jenny, is wasted time. Like I have a, I have real trouble with that. I do not like to waste time. I don't like to have conversations that that aren't valuable. I don't like to have friends that. I just I hate wasting time. I, it feels like the ultimate sin. And if I was the type of person who could put out a podcast about nothing and draw you into it when you could be out there using that time legitimately learning how to make yourself healthier, I couldn't live with myself and do something like that. I And I think that there are too many people who have talked themselves into believing there's no real help for these people with diabetes. So I'll just serve them this bland content and I'll get them excited every year about a cure coming and then I'll string them along with some recipes for something and then once in a while I'll let somebody tell a story about how scary it was to have diabetes and that'll keep them locked in with fear. I mean, I want you people to listen, which is why I do the interviews with other people. I think good stuff comes mm -hmm. out of the interviews, but I think also um, that too many of you listening don't know another person with type one diabetes. So you get to listen to people who have type one. I try to make it entertaining so that it's not just like the same thing over and over. Where they could essentially be watching like a presentation on a PowerPoint. Yeah. And there's, you don't like, want that. It's, there's no personality. I talked to April Blackwell a couple days ago and I put it right up. And I think we talked about diabetes for eight seconds and then she she flies the International Space Station. So I'm like, uh, this is what we need to be talking about, you know? And she yeah. has type 1 diabetes. Same thing with, when Alyssa Weilerstein was on. Um, she's a world-class cello player. 
like ask her about how she pre-boluses. You, you know what I mean? Like, like no, like, like let's have great conversations. So those conversations to me are really interesting and help you meet people who have type one diabetes who do interesting things. Um, because if I just came on every time and I was like, all right, feet on the floor, this is what it is, you know, you'd, you'd be out of here and it wouldn't help you then. And I have to, part of my job is to trick you into doing better with your diabetes. Like it really is. Like I said something on, online the other day, somebody asked a question and I was like, uh, Jenny said that I can't remember where. And there's this part of me that's like, wait a minute, are you not listening to every episode? <laughs> I'm doing this very specifically for you, <laughs> like you know. But I understand everyone can't listen to every minute, um, or that maybe I don't do a good job sometimes, or or whatever, or you know. But the idea is that I honestly believe if you went back, I don't know. I haven't heard episode one since I recorded it. I, I don't know what's in it. But what I could tell you is if you went back, found a way to listen to 420 episodes of this podcast, when you got to the end, you'd be incredibly good at taking care of your diabetes. And you may have heard, you may have heard fifty hours of conversation that later you could write off and say it had nothing to do with it. But I don't know how to point you to the exact episodes you need to hear. Like I don't know which episode Jenny said when you fall asleep your digestion slows down. Like I, I don't know which one that is. And no, no you know, either. Jenny, there are. Does this happen to you? I'll get a note from somebody and they're like, "Oh my God, what you said worked," and I'm like. I, who are you? <laughs> I don't right. know. Like, like I don't. Right. And what was it that I said that yeah. worked? Let me jot what it down. What did you apply? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, tell me that. And then I have to, like, I dig backwards, and I'm like, oh, this is a person. They have a kid, and I read it, and then I realized that we had enough meaningful back and forth. I get that she thinks I know who she is, except I've had him back and forth like that with a hundred more people since then. Right. And I don't know who you are anymore. I'm like, I. Right. It's the worst thing to like somebody emote and go, I'm so sorry to ask this. Who are you? What was your name yeah, again? Yeah, don't, <laughs> yes. don't, I don't have time to go look. And, uh, but that's good. Like, that's good because the more people who learn how to handle themselves well, the more they'll tell somebody else, which will lead to other people having healthy results. And I'm telling you, like, it's a, it's a long shot for me, but I want for this podcast to fundamentally change how doctors talk to people with type 1 diabetes. Like I want to, whatever my last day is, like I want, I want one of my last thoughts to be, no one's going to cry in the shower and I helped, you know, right? Like, I that's, helped. that's what I'm shooting yeah. for. Well, I think what helps too is kind of what you were elaborating on with discussion, just mentioning those two other women where you might've spent like a minute talking to them in the whole discussion about their diabetes, but that's a, that is a piece that's missing in in diabetes I, education, it's not really the right word for it because what you're bringing in is a piece of real life. Yeah. The fact that you could be this person, you could do this, you could do that. And our whole conversation for 45 minutes was not about diabetes. It was about what an awesome cello player you are and where you've been and what you've seen and what you've been able to do. Yes, you have diabetes, but you still live. Yeah. And those are grabbing points for a lot of people, I think, and a big reason many people would continue and do continue to listen. I mean, that's a grabbing point for me in terms of listening. I mean, I don't really go to the episodes that are about education. <laughs> I don't, I don't, 
You've never... but the other ones are they're awesome and I listen too because they're they're people and one of my favorite things that I ever did in my life with diabetes is I attended a diabetes training camp for adults with type 1 mm-hmm. who wanted to be better athletes and while the whole week was all about diabetes management the in between with all of the other people I was at camp with was life yeah and that's kind of what your podcasts bring. It's it's life and it's also, oh, I want to learn a little bit more of this. Let me click on this one versus I just want to learn about the cello player. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think it's incredibly important. And I didn't realize. So I'm a boy. So when, boy, something, yes. ha- when something happens in front of me, I just think like we'll blow it up, kill it, or don't worry, it's not a problem. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I genuinely, I genuinely don't think women understand how men think any more than men understand how women think, right? But there's nothing you could say to me that I don't think I could do. Like, I'm sitting here right now. I'm almost fifty years old. I'm completely out of shape. And if you brought a twenty-five year old guy in here and said, "Can you kick his ass?" I'd be like, "God damn right, I can." And by the way, I can't. Okay, like, but. It, <laughs> it, but it, but it makes – I don't ever have that thought. And so when Arden got diabetes, I was just like, well, I'll just do it. Like I'll figure it out and I'll do it. So to hear that somebody might not think that they could be an athlete because they have type 1, that doesn't – like I, I, that doesn't resonate with me at all. I would never think of that. Even when people are saying – like I'll get notes sometimes that are like, you know, how do I keep my kids' <clears throat> excuse me blood sugar from falling during like an activity – and I was mm-hmm. like, well, you get your settings so right that there's no active insulin while you're running around and it won't fall. But that's not really an answer to that question, is it? <laughs> you know, so and the right. answer to that question is so much bigger and why it works in audio and doesn't work as well in writing and also doesn't work as well in audio if you're not good at talking about it. Right. Right. It's just um, there's there's a lot there that has to coalesce to make it. I can tell you don't have active insulin while you're being active and that, that, but people don't, it's just diabetes moves too quickly. Right. It's just one meal rolls into the next meal rolls into the next meal. It's like, it's almost like they don't recognize that three times a day they're doing something that's going to screw up six hours from now. Right. And so they just caught, they get caught in this wheel of, of doing something, getting fooled into thinking it's okay for a couple of hours and then having it go wrong and the insulin that they worked with happened so far in the past, they don't recognize that's what's going on. So they never see the real problem. They're always just, they're swinging at ghosts all the time. You know? Right. Um, I think that's a lot of the reason though, that our conversations together that are about specific like diabetes, like topics, right. Are more, they're conversational in nature mm-hmm. and that helps people to think further then, like you said, a written kind of paragraph about something is just that. There's nobody to converse about with it. It is you read it and you kind of try to apply it. It's sort of like going to a doctor who takes the clinical cut and dry. Well, you should adjust it this way because this is what's happening. But there's no like back and forth, which is kind of what we have, which is fun. Well, I recorded with Kenny the other day to add another loop episode. And I he, haven't listened to it yet. He gives, I, I came into my email and I was all excited. <laughs> well, he gives this great explanation about putting in a bolus, but changing the time to the future. And then 
in, when it at, but then when the loop says, okay, we're going to put in three units now saying no. And so that, right. And so he gives this great explanation, but in my mind, I'm like, I don't know if that's clear to people listening. And so I said, so you're telling me that basically what I'm doing is giving loop some pocket money, some walking around money that it can spend wherever it wants. And he goes, yes. And I went, okay, great. And we kept moving five, five notes I've received so far in the last two days that changed my whole understanding of something. And I didn't know I was going to say that. I, it just, it's just how it occurred to me in the moment, you know? Um, so if the weird way that my brain works somehow is helping people, that's cool. But I can't even take that much credit for it. Like it just like basically what happened was I understood what he said, but I could not re-articulate it in a technical way. If you asked me to say what he just said in my own words, I would have been lost. This, you know, you said it like a guy walking down the street who has no knowledge about you're like, huh, this is like this instead. Yeah, it's so, not just the medical terms. So what you're saying is this, and right. that's my whole approach to diabetes. I'm at this point, I'm sure you feel the same way, but anyone could walk into this room right now and I could I could set them right in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be that hard. Um, but And give them tools to move forward with as well. That would take another I mean, day. Yeah, yeah. It but, takes a bit, right. but the right now you could say, this is definitely a big part of the problem. Let's do this. And then we'll work on the rest as we yeah. see that this works. And so we're going to keep doing that. We're going to, uh, you're going to keep coming back. Hey. Jenny's going to record all through 2021 and 2022. We're going to talk about uh, all kinds of stuff. I would imagine there's going to be more conversations about algorithm pumping because uh, that is kind of the future. And uh, I want to get people into that uh, way. It'll of be interesting to have a conversation once some um, Omnipods yeah. system comes. It out. will be. And so that'll be good. And then we're going to get people in to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about control IQ. We're going to talk about Omnipod five. I'll talk about that Medtronic one when it comes out, if we need to. And um, I'm just kidding. I would ha- be happy to do that. Uh, but we're, <laughs> The, the podcast is going to keep moving forward. I have no plans on slowing down. And I want to thank everybody listening. Um, 2020 downloads. And I know some people are like, I stream it. Does that count? However you listen counts. Um, but from 2017 to 2020, we have doubled our monthly downloads every year. So 2018 That's was doubled awesome. over 17. 19 was doubled over 18. 20 was doubled over uh, 19. And if 2021 doubles over this. It's going to be easier for me to get other guests because it's going to stick us into a stratosphere where people are actually going to be like, yes, I'll come on because they know that'll do something for them. So we're kind of making the podcast into a commodity, which then will allow us to to do a little better. Um, it, right now, I still have to fight to get some people on the show a little bit, you know, so it's interesting how the how much the downloads mean behind the scenes. So maybe you'll have to ask only once versus three times. Yeah, I won't have to. I won't have to work so hard to get them. So uh, Jenny, I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I want to cut this off now because I want to tell you something privately that these people can't okay. hear. Sorry, guys. That's it for 2020. 131 episodes, one pandemic, and a lot of A1Cs going down and getting stable. Thanks so much for listening to the Juicebox podcast. I'll be back in just a few days with the beginning of season seven. I have a great story about someone who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as an adult, just as they were finding out they were pregnant. 
one of my favorite stories from the last couple of years. And I finally got to record with the person that it happened to. I'd like to wish everyone a happy and healthy new year. I'd like to give you a lot of credit for making it through that last year. And I think we can all agree that if 2021 can just be a little less of a fucking disaster, that would be amazing.